wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kick every one of their asses. North South Connection listeners, welcome back to the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast, episode 83, uh, June of 2003. Joining me again, Logan Crossland. Logan, what's up? Howdy, Jake. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. We have um, a big doubleheader at MSG tonight. Logan, are you excited? Yeah, we're going to see all the stars come out for the big uh, event that is M- or the big arena that is M- MSG, and everybody's going to show out, right? Supposedly, um, <laughs> ever tell you one time I, um, when I was listening to the Stone Cold podcast, quick aside, he had a thing where he would tell you you can email him questions. So one time I tried to email him something, and I just thought of whatever I could, and I just wanted to see if he would respond. And I asked him about MSG, and it was some shit like some generic question. I sent him, and it was like, uh, you know, like what was it like uh, at? It, so I said something about MSG, and he emailed me back, and he said everyone always wants to show out at uh, MSG, and it was like signed SC. <laughs> so that's a <laughs> that's story. Awesome. I think I, I think I still have the email saved, but technically Stone Cold Steve Austin emailed me back all of four awesome. words, but I still pop pretty good. That's awesome. And it was so short, it made me think that it might have actually been him. Yeah, he so. just he was he just like went through all of the things and did short little uh, responses or something like that. That's cool. Right, my close personal friend. But uh, like you said, we would think everyone wants to show out MSG. We'll see how it pans out because both of our shows, Raw and SmackDown, both going to be emanating from Madison Square Garden tonight. Um, now, now I say that obviously <laughs> with some bit of sarcasm, as we'll get into, but I don't think it's for lack of effort. I just don't. I just feel like there was like maybe a little bit of nervousness going on in these two nights, but we'll talk about it. And they have hyped it up. They did hype it up last week that both shows. So we're kind of expecting them to do a little bit of something here. It's not like they just happen to be at MSG. They are making a big deal out of it. And we obviously know Raw has a big, a big main event here as we're going to have Kane possibly uh, either going to win the title or lose his mass is a big stipulation I was set up last week. So it's kind of good. We have some stakes going in this Raw, which is not always is a rare occasion in Raw to have anything of much consequence happening. 
So um, let, let's get into it. We have I have a couple news notes, but we'll integrate them into the show as they come up because we have a few things, uh, nothing too wild, but uh, a few things will come up as far as, you know, people who are going to be departing us and so on and so forth. So let's get to Raw. So this will be the June 23rd, 2003 Raw, again, live from Madison Square Garden. And I remember at the time, this is one of the few shows I've covered on this pod, especially TV, maybe the pay-per-views I remember. But um, I remember pretty clearly this Raw, like watching at the time, because I remember it being hyped up from the week before. And I, I remember I was off for the summer from school because it was uh, in June, obviously. So I was off from school and it was like some guy in my neighborhood who kind of watched wrestling with me. So I went over to his house and we were watching. And I, anytime as a kid, I was always hyped whenever I knew, like, if, anytime I thought something big was going to happen. And, like, the way this was set up is you knew something big had to happen because presumably either Kane had to be unmasked, which is obviously a big deal, or Triple H is going to lose the title. So just having something on there hooked me as like a 13 year old kid. Yeah. I remember this stretch very vividly starting from here kind of until SummerSlam because uh, obviously of what happens in the main event. But uh, again, we'll talk about that, but yeah, I remember this period very, very well uh, from a, from a raw perspective. Cause I never got the channel SmackDown was on for a while after this actually. So I always wow. just watched raw. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Mm-hmm. But, uh, all right, so let's see if this undercard can uh, live up to the hype of the main event. Um, so we'll start off with a um, with a tag match here. So we get a pretty a hot open here. We're not going to open up with a promo or anything, but we have a tag match between Scott Steiner and Booker T. are going to be facing off against Test and Christian here. So a good old classic mixing two feuds together into a tag match on a Raw that we've seen. And we... Uh, Stacy is out here with Steiner. It looks like she is wearing like what appeared to be Laffy Taffy. It is a skin tight, <laughs> like I guess latex or something, but it was uh it was it was quite a happening. Yeah, it was it was it was quite something. I think she passed some uh uh fashion tips off to Steph and uh and on SmackDown as well. She had a a similar skirt as well. So um yeah, definitely an interesting outfit. So we have a convergence of feuds here. Uh, it, we start the match off, as you'd expect, Booker's going to carry the load in this tag team match as he does a lot of these. For the face team, he's tags in Steiner, comes in and gets his few moves and hits a few closed lines, a few clubbing blows, a couple belly-to-bellies, as he usually does. Um, I thought Christian took a pretty good bump as Steiner gets hits him with a press slam, throws him to the outside. Uh, Stacy, of course, gets involved, slap uh, gets a slap on Tess, but um, in the process gets knocked off the apron. And uh, that caused some confusion for Steiner. He gets distracted and uh, ends up walking to a big boot from Tess and loses in a pretty quick match. Uh, not a whole lot going on here. But uh, um, it was all really oddly enough, even though that's kind of like your intercontinental title feud, I felt like Booker T and Christian were kind of an afterthought here. It was all about the continuing love triangle drama of uh, Steiner and Tess and uh, Stacy here. So. I want to start in a half one. It was okay. Booker looked good, even though it really wasn't. He wasn't the star of this. And, you know, Steiner was Steiner and Christian was Christian. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, I went two on it. I thought the face team showed some pretty good energy. I thought Booker looked really good in the early stages. And I felt like Steiner kind of had a renewed sense, you know, sense of self. I feel like he was, I feel like he was a little bit more energetic than he had been at the beginning of the year. So I feel like he's, uh, renewed or he kind of has a renewed sense of himself, uh, in this feud, whether he should or not, I guess. But um, I felt like he, I felt like he was doing pretty good stuff in there, throwing people around, and um, you know, as energetic as he probably could be. But um, yeah, it it was mostly about the Steiner Test Stacy thing. 
Um, so, you know, like you said, Booker and Christian kind of put got pushed to the side uh, after the beginning stages. But, yeah, I went two on it. Right. Yeah, maybe he's reinvigorated by Stacey's legs. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> right. Can't um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not really sure where they're going with this. Like, I don't know what the next move is with Steiner and, and Tess here because it's it kind of seemed like right at the end of it. But I guess they want to keep pushing it. So I guess we'll see. Um, but we head backstage, we have Kane, he's in the locker room and, uh, this will be an ongoing trend throughout the night, building up to the main event. We kind of have Kane in the back, like contemplating his career. And along the way, they keep showing like video packages of his, you know, his run up to this point, like his debut at Helena at, um, at bad blood and everything while he sits and kind of sees and stares into a mirror and, you know, actual emo contemplating his life or whatever. Yeah, I said they. I said they have, He's menacing in his own private boiler room. So they had a private boiler room uh, reserved for him in the arena. So, <laughs> and we get a uh, we get a quick plug for uh, Spike TV, the animation block. Do you remember the slogan at the time? We had the Red and Stimpy Adult Party Cartoon, and of course Stripperella, um, I, which are going to start airing after Raw. I do not remember that, so <laughs> I can't say I do. That's that's funny though. I do remember it because as a kid, I don't know why I thought this would happen, but I thought they were going to show boobs on Spike TV on Stripperella animated boobs, but you know, um, they didn't. I'm pretty boobs sure. Boobs at that point. <laughs> right. But, uh, and we'll get the plug later, but there was also, um, I think it's, what is it? Gary, the rat, which is like another animated show where it's like Kelsey Grammer as a rat. So <laughs> don't think this is very successful for Spike. If I recall, yeah, I don't think correctly. they had too many, uh, successful shows during this period i think it was a lot of throwing throwing stuff at the wall and see if it stuck right so tune in after raw for a run and simply adult party cartoon <laughs> all right we have uh, teddy long here he talks about uh he's with chris nowinski he talks about all the injustice that chris nowinski has faced um but he's been discriminated against not because of the color of his skin but because of his intelligence he should have won tough enough but they didn't want him to um and then he calls out Maven, uh, calls him, uh, like he says that light skinned brothers, uh, like Maven went out a long time ago. So that's a quote from Teddy long, which of course brings Maven out to fight Chris Nowinski and what is technically presented as a match, even though it is literally just Maven coming out and stealing it in like five seconds with a roll up and Chris Nowinski gets pissed off. So I did not even rate this. I guess this is just, I, I don't know. Whatever this ongoing issue is between Maven and Teddy and Chris Nowinski, I don't know. I really didn't give much of a fuck, to be honest. Mm, yeah, as we'll see throughout the night, the uh, thugging and bugging enterprises is uh, <laughs> not not doing too well. So no, it starts with, falling. <laughs> it starts with this, but yeah, stock stock way down. Um, but yeah, this is this is ridiculous that Teddy Long says he's been discriminated on because he was smart. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous, but yeah, Maven Maven kills him pretty quick, so not bad. <laughs> yeah, not, not a whole lot to say here. Yeah. It's just or not Teddy much Co- is what I meant. Not not bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no way, bad. <laughs> yeah, very bad. <laughs> All right, so we'll move forward. Uh, Evolution uh, have we see Evolution arriving earlier tonight, and then after that we cut to the highlight reel of Chris Jericho. Um, he starts off by trolling New York uh, with a ridiculous New York accent. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> He's like, New York. Uh, he then decides to turn his attention to Stone Cold and how he went after poor Lance Storm. He's not happy about the slander he put on Lance Storm. Um, and he brings out Lance. 
Um, Lance decides to read a prepared statement as the crowd, of course, going off of Austin's cues, chants boring. Um, he says, uh, no one enjoys a laugh as much as I do. And he says that his abilities in ring should be enough to entertain the masses. And if they want bells and whistles, they need to go to the circus. Um, as he's doing this, what appears to be like a repo crew or something, come in and start taking down the set of the highlight reel. Um, and Austin comes up on the Tron uh, and starts yelling boring about the um, highlight reel and then makes an impromptu tag match between uh, Storm and Jericho and they are going to have to face the Dudleys. But I actually thought Storm was pretty funny here. His prepared statement got me. Yes. Pretty, his delivery is amazing. Like, uh, no one enjoys a laugh as much as I do. It's pretty great. He sounded like the teachers from uh, Charlie Brown. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> but I love that Austin pops up on the uh, on the jumbotron and says, "I was trying to help you, son. I was trying to motivate you to step your game up." So he, uh, yeah, by by completely shitting on him. Apparently, he was trying to motivate him. So, um, but yeah, and I love that he tells the crew to get Jericho's shit out of the ring. Um, and then he obviously sets up the match, but uh, this was much funnier from Austin than I think last week was just because I feel like last week was a little hateful, it seemed so. But uh, I thought this one was pretty good. Yeah, I thought they're at least following up and giving Storm a chance to like at least let him go out there and kind of be the star of this, which I thought again, I thought he was real good. I thought his mm-hmm. statement was really funny. Like, if you want bells and whistles, go to the circus. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, so. We'll get to the tag match. So, like I said, Dudley's versus Storm and Jericho. Uh, the heels quickly jump them. Uh, we get a good pace going. Jericho, I think, Jericho's really good. I mean, he's just good at this point. But uh, I feel like he's so good in these tag matches. Like, he's constantly doing these little heel things to keep everything kind of, like, keep everything a little interesting. Like, when he's on the apron, he's constantly trying to trip trip uh, his opponent on the apron and stuff. Doing these little tricks and heel tactics everywhere. So, always enjoy that. Of course, the crowd is chanting boring at everything Storm does. Um, so, I kind of like to hear because um, he's obviously playing into it as he works a real long chin lock to troll the crowd. Uh, heels in full control here. Um, <laughs> as he's doing the uh, the headlock, King even says that Lance is working a sleeper on the crowd, which I thought was a good King line. Um, <laughs> finally, we get the hot tag to Devon, which is actually pretty good. Uh, our old pal from... TNA, uh, Ricotta, Ricotta Titty Devon was pretty good here. I thought this hot tag was pretty high. They hit the what's up. They go for the tables. Jericho, though, cuts that off. And then Storm flies in with a pretty nice uh, springboard clothesline, real crisp. Obviously, Storm's very talented and ranked, despite, you know, them calling him boring. Um, but he actually he actually hits Jericho and then walks right into a 3D and eats the pen. But, uh, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised this match. I'm going three stars. I thought it was pretty high, well executed. I thought Storm played into the crowd chants pretty well. And uh, the Dudley seemed a little more, had a little more oomph than they've had lately. So, and then Jericho is great in this. So, I went three. I was, I was kind of um, a hotter match than I was expecting. Yeah, it was definitely uh, much better than I was expecting as well. I went two and three quarters, just a little bit below you. But um, I I thought the Dudleys really, uh, once they got the advantage early, they started to really kick uh, the other two's ass there for a little bit. Um, I I made a note that I think Bubba's outfit during this time is like the perfect lazy fat man outfit, which is sweatpants and a basketball jersey. Uh, So this was kind of his outfit during this time period. I thought that was perfect for uh, his body type for sure. I wasn't expecting Bubba to pull out a uh, sunset flip at one point. I thought that was pretty insane that he pulled that out. 
Um, at one point, Jericho locks him in the walls of Jericho, and Bubba basically just rolls over for him, shows no resistance, so he basically locks himself in the walls of Jericho. <laughs> um, and then during the you know the what's up headbutt, uh, they hit it, and then J- Jr. comes up with the line that Storm got his genitalia rearranged. Kid. <laughs> So I thought that was a pretty funny line, but the last uh, three or four minutes of this were uh, pretty hot and I had a lot of good energy, very good, uh, real back and forth. And Storm probably takes the best 3D out of anybody out there because he gets like a lot of height, like more height on it than uh, most people do. So it looks really good anytime they hit it on him, which during this time period uh, of this like last calendar year, they hit it on him a lot. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, not a, not a bad match for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad at least I was kind of critical of the, you know, the Stone Cold stuff, but at least glad that they're giving Storm, like, a little bit more prominent role. They're at least using him on the show and kind of playing into it, so mm-hmm. it could be yeah. worse. Yeah. All right, we go back to Kane. He's still contemplating and pacing around backstage, uh, thinking about his life and his career. And uh, we then head to Randy Orton, who's backstage with Ric Flair. He's reading uh, Tatum Brown, the book, uh, Mick Foley's book that he plugged last week. He reads a passage from the uh, from the novel, something about someone, uh, uh, about, I guess, a guy, like, crushing on a woman or something. I don't know. I've never read the book. But uh, they laugh about it because I think it's something about a guy thinking about a woman's boobs or something. And yeah, they both make fun, saying that. Mick, Flo- Mick Foley has never felt a breast, which is an absurd comment. He's a married man with children. Um, <laughs> Three children, in fact. Right, so. right. <laughs> Unless he's had intercourse with his wife without feeling her breast, which seems unlikely, not to get into the nitty-gritty. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> anyway, they pivot and start talking about their tag match tonight. They're going to be facing Kevin Nash and HBK, um, and they want to make sure they win. After that, they're going to make sure Triple H uh Beats that loser Kane in the main event. So just some scheming and uh, healing off by Flair Norton here, which was, it was fine. Yeah, more more skulking in the back by Kane to start uh, as he's in his boiler room, like I said earlier. And then, yeah, the, the segment was pretty good by, by Orton kind of making fun of Foley and Flair reiterating that they have a big night in front of them, have a big tag match, and they need to make sure that Triple H keeps the world title. So not a bad couple segments. Yep, just setting the table for what they got going on tonight. Yeah. All right, we keep rolling. We now have the uh, oh, La, Resista- La Resistance come out, to, uh, and they sing the French anthem. They do the gimmick where they do it during the break. So they start during the break, and we come back, and they're still singing. And so we're not sure who they're going to face here. They do, they're pretty generic trolling of America, as they always do. But the hurricane interrupts them. Uh, I think he calls them a biatch or something. Um, and he, he challenges them and we find out his partner and, uh, going for the veteran MSG pop of the night, his partner is going to be Sergeant Slaughter. So it's going to be Sergeant Slaughter and the hurricane versus La Resistance. Uh, Sarge, uh, like I said, here to pop the crowd. He's, uh, his belly is also popping cause he's quite rotund here. Um, he's got quite a gut. I mean, never been a slim man, but he's, uh. He's quite uh, quite spherical <laughs> in this match. Um, so, you know, it's what you'd expect. Uh, Sar just, you know, comes in, gets a few shots in, looks like Robotnik from Sonic. Uh, he gets, you know, they bump La Resistance around a little bit to get the crowd into it. Uh, Sarge gets a brief Cobra clutch, but they hit him. Uh, the ref gets distracted, and they hit him with the belt behind the ref's back, and, uh, you know, they steal it with their... Normal little P 
pissy heel ways. Uh, but, I mean, the match was just a glorified excuse to trot Sarge out there and try and get the cheap pop from the New York crowd. So, I ended up going to star on it. Lars Stein still suck. I mean, not a whole lot going on here. Yeah, I only went half star. I, I thought it was <laughs> pretty bad. Um, it, it pro- half star is probably for how uh, much work uh, Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter's belt was doing. Probably holding his pants <laughs> up at that point. Um, but the the singing of the French national national anthem was horrendous. I, it was like neither of them knew the words to it. Like they would just stop. I mean, they played it like the crowd was booing them, and they were like, "Oh, I'm offended," you know. But it was just it was terrible. Um, but yeah, Sarge has uh, definitely been hitting the uh, buffet line quite often <laughs> before this time period, uh, or during this time period, and then. Uh, uh, at the beginning of the match, uh, Hurricane hits a crazy crossbody. He almost goes like face first onto the onto the uh, on the outside, and it was really really almost a nasty landing. Um, and Renee ever never even actually gets his robe or his jacket off, uh, but he eventually take and he has the title on most of them for most of the match, which only lasts like two or three minutes. So, uh, but he actually never gets the jacket off, but he eventually takes the belt off and smacks uh, Sarge with it, like you said, and wins. But yeah, half star, not much going on. Right. Okay, we head back to Kane, still <laughs> trotting around, pacing around in the locker room, or I guess he was like in like the boiler room or something, or I don't know. But um, I thought it was a little foreshadowing here, because knowing where we're going with this, he was kind of stroking his hair, which maybe would seem insignificant yeah. at the mm-hmm. time but yeah maybe it will play out later i definitely noticed that all right we did get a recap of stone cold chewing kane's ass about uh you know needing to step up and you know channel his inner demon or something um and then we cut to austin who lets us know since we're here at msg that this will be the the setting for wrestlemania 20 um we'll return to the garden for its 20th anniversary he then brings out mick foley uh, along with a bunch of ECW alums uh, to bring Mick a, uh, a hardcore title in a case. So this kind of ends up being like a Mick Foley, like, I guess like re-retirement ceremony. They play like a very sentimental Mick Foley video package that I'm sure had a much better song in the original episode. It's like a real awful dub very music. Very generic, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like real sappy guitar shit. But, uh, um, but here's Vince to interrupt with a, a fart face on the scowl. He says that Mick uh, said he would never be back in a WWE ring. And part of Vince wants to bash him. This is such a Vince thing. He says, like, bash him until I pop into a ooze. Uh, oh, yeah. But, then he, but instead, <laughs> he just here. he's just here to tell Foley, thank you. He shakes his hand. Uh, Mick embraces him and forces a hug, which Vince is reluctant. Um, Mick said, you know, he try he he doesn't want to be one of these guys who comes out here and gets emotional. But the video brought a tear to his eye. Uh, he didn't know what it would be like to return, and uh, you know, kind of just thanks the fans and everything. And then he ends with a line from Frosty the Snowman: "Goodbye for now, but I'll be back again someday." So, uh, you know, it was a good little send off for Mick for this little mini return. And I guess like it's, you know, his last departure was not the most glorious. So. You know, being he's a New York guy, like to have him come in here, I thought this wasn't like the worst use of time, and the crowd was into it. Um, Vince was pretty funny, um, so it was a fine little sentimental Mick moment, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I feel like maybe at the time this was probably kind of grating for fans, but I, mm-hmm. I looking back, I do definitely do think it was earned, and you know, I, I think it was probably a good good thing, like you said, his his previous run and, and so uh, gracefully. But uh, you know, uh, this was a good way to have it kind of you know ride him out for now. Um, like you said, he'll obviously be back at some point, but um, it was a good way to kind of say say goodbye for now. But he'll be back, but not a bad little segment, like you said. Yeah, I like the whole last line with the frosty line. That was good. And I, I think it's like it's I accept this more when they're at uh, yeah, like I, I accept it more when they're at MSG just because them being MSG is like kind of them always going back back to like history and stuff. So I thought it made sense to have like it was more like if they would have been in like Peoria, it would have been weird, <laughs> you know. But it being MSG, it seemed like the right setting if you are going to do this. So fine enough, and the crowd loves them. So yeah, for sure. All right, we go uh, to the first of our big evolution matches for the night. It's going to be Flair and Orton versus HBK and Kevin Nash. So pretty star-studded match here. A uh, big spot for Orton being in with all these big names. Uh, Kevin Nash, I was shocked to see him back, honestly. I thought maybe he was going to be done after bad blood, but they tried him out here again. Um, you had mentioned, to we, we had talked about this after the last episode, but um, I kind of was listening closer after you said something. This evolution theme is terrible. Like this version of it is like that that clicking sound, and it like I don't know what that is, but it's awful. It's like this weird, just constant. (laughs) I don't don't know what that is, but um, you are correct. It is awful. But it is uh, horrendous for sure. All right, so Sean starts us off. He gets an exchange with Orton, which is kind of novel to see. Uh, he tags in Nash, who comes in and gets this kind of slow plotting couple moves in. Absolutely no crowd reaction for him, as usual in this run. Uh, Sean gets back in, gets a nice dive to kind of wake things up a little bit. Um, we go to a commercial break. Sean's getting worked over when we get back. Orton shows a little bit of uh, his Viper aggression here, I thought, clubbing uh, Sean a little bit. Grabs an arm bar for a very long time. Flair comes in and puts in his own arm work. So that's kind of what we sell it in the middle of this match is them working over Sean's arm. Um, not the most exciting arm work you're going to ever see. Like Orton stuff I thought was pretty bland, like nothing too exciting or um, interesting. Um, and it really has, I thought towards this, like even with Sean getting worked over, they didn't build any momentum. Like I didn't feel like the crowd was really with them with this. Like, they weren't waiting for the hot tag. And I think part of it is that the hot tag is supposed to be Nash. So when he gets the hot tag, like it gets zero response because the crowd's so out on him. So like he's so he's so cooked that they don't really care when he gets tagged in. So that what's supposed to be the hot tag is very muted. Uh he goes for the power bomb. Nate stops him with a weird bocce low blow. At this point, I feel like it just wasn't clicking this match as we get to this final stretch. Like even the low blow look bad by Flair. Um, Sean gets back in, kind of fights off both, hits his whole finishing sequence with the nip up, the elbow drop, and the uh, the uh, sweet chin music. Uh, Nash takes out Orton, and Sean pins Flair to uh, take the match. But weirdly flat here. Like like I said, they just built no momentum or drama despite the star power, and like you would think the crowd would be into this, and I think it's just. The crowd doesn't connect with Nash at all. You know, Orton's trying to find himself. And they just, I don't know, I just didn't feel like they got into much of a groove with this one. So I ended up going two. I thought this was real disappointing. Yeah, I went two as well. Uh, the match wasn't bad per se, but it just felt messy. And kind of like you said, it just felt real, 
it felt real tepid at points. Like I, I my first note is a very, very tepid response when Nash comes out because Sean comes out, crowd goes uh, pretty wild, but Nash comes out and there's just like no reaction at all. It's so bad. Um, I thought the beginning of the match was pretty energetic with Flair and my and Sean. Um, Flair at one point was chopping Nash and Nash was no selling it and Nash like barely nudged his shoulder and he just flops like a fish <laughs> around the ring and it's like he barely touched you man but uh r- real good selling there by the nature um I thought I thought that dive by Michaels out onto both guys was really good um Orton gets tagged in at one point and he like tags himself in but then he gets right back out and like clotheslines uh, uh, Michaels while he's getting like rolled up by uh, Flair or something. It's real weird. It's a real weird exchange. Um, but I didn't think the match was terrible at all or anything like that. But it was it, it was kind of messy and like I said, kind of tepid at points. But I like the super, uh, sweet chain music for the win at the end. But yeah, two I went two as well. Uh, like you. Yeah, I agree, Orton. He didn't look great in this match. I mean, he looked a little off at times. Like. Like, he didn't really know it. Like you said, he just does some weird stuff. The arm stuff was a little drawn out and not mm-hmm. that great. Yeah. Yeah. Not his best showing. I mean, obviously, he's still really young. But, yeah, yeah for the people you got in there, you're thinking this is at least going to be good. And it's just kind of meh. But, mm-hmm. so, kind of unfortunate. So, yep. um, to our point, trying to show out an MSG, but it didn't really kind of work out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like the point in the show where I was like, okay, it's pretty clear they're putting everything on the main event because we have not gotten a ton uh, else <laughs> on the show. As we get more Kane recap, more recap of Kane's career. Uh, so, again, putting this all on the Kane Triple H match. Um, we then go back to Foley backstage. He's autographing a book for Vince. And uh, a very sour Orton and Flair, who are pissed off about losing the match, come by. And they had a, after uh, he tells them good match and they get pissed. So they jump them a uh, pretty long and like gritty brawl though. I thought it was actually a pretty good one. Cause like it keeps going on for long and they end up fighting all the way to the stairs. And uh, obviously Mick is good at this sort of thing, like this backstage stuff and selling everything. And uh, they end up uh, Orton gives a nice, not quite the punt, but like maybe a precursor to the punt as he kicks Mick in the face and he falls down the stairs. And of course Vince like has to make sure we know he's a jackass by the end of this. Like he's been nice to Foley. And when he falls, like we're going to need somebody, somebody get a janitor, but um, I still like how they're they're keeping this in the back of our minds, like this uh, Orton and Mick thing, to, to keep us wondering what's going to happen down the line. Yeah, 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 this is a really uh, this is one of those vivid memories because uh, this will play into a uh, future match between these two. Um, they'll show this in kind of a video package, but um, yeah, r- real, real, uh, real standout uh, performance here by and really kicking his ass and kicking him down the steps. Um, and when Vince says the thing about the janitor, you could tell Orton wants to laugh because he's smiling like the friggin' Cheshire cat uh, <laughs> after that happened. So he's, he's, uh, he really, he's really feeling himself after that whole thing was over, but yeah, good dual segment. Yeah. Very well done. Um, mm-hmm. good little brawl. Okay. So I'd mentioned last week that it seemed like, uh, Rodney Mack, like you, <laughs> you said it earlier that the, uh, Teddy Long's little stable, the stock's falling. And I had mentioned that it seems like Rodney Mack is slowly becoming just a guy. And I think they solidified here as he comes out to do his, uh, the uh, five minute white boy challenge. He challenges anybody in the back. And this time 
he ends up getting Goldberg. So uh, Goldberg comes out. We get the full Goldberg, uh, gets us our Goldberg appearance for the night. The crowd is actually really into it. Like the crowd was eating this up. He comes in and we've said this before, but this is how you got to present Goldberg. He comes out, just wrecks Roddy Mac in like 20 seconds. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody's popping because you have the five minute timer going. So at this point, you know, he's going to win. It's just a matter of how quickly. And I think it ends up being about 22 seconds or something like that. But he's, um, it was also great because uh, he spears him through the pyro. So Roddy tries to jump him in the, uh, on the ramp um, during the pyro and Goldberg spears him through the pyro. So that was a nice visual. Um, so I thought this was actually a pretty cool moment. This is, I think, one of the better Goldberg spots they have. I mean, it's Rodney Mack, so it's whatever. But as far as his presentation, it was quick. It was intense. Um, the crowd was super into it. Like this, I thought, was one of their more effective presentations of Goldberg. So, I mean, the match, if you want to call it a match, is like a star. It's just like a squash. But I think as a moment, it really worked. Uh, but, yeah, pretty clear Rodney Mack is uh, – full on jabroni at this point as he just comes out for it to be Goldberg fodder during his like gimmick it's supposed to be Rodney <laughs> Mac gimmick and he gets destroyed yeah the uh, Rodney Mac experiment is uh, officially over I'd say I think he's pretty uh, dead in the water after this one um, he just absolutely gets destroyed um, the only problem I would have is they killed the uh, Goldberg entrance once again they didn't let him do the full thing Obviously, he spears him through the fireworks, so that's pretty cool. So I'll give him a little bit of a break this time. But yeah, like you said, this this is how they probably should have been presenting Goldberg from the beginning. Um, you can kind of build to him maybe having competitive matches with people, but you really need to have him out there just killing guys at first and just spearing and jackhammering people left and right. Um, so this was definitely an effective way to kind of build him back up after he's had some more competitive matches than maybe he should have at, at this point. So uh, very good presentation. Right. And I think especially with like the New York crowd, which could have easily been, I think, anti Goldberg, they were, True. they were all in on it. So mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff. pretty effective. All right. So right. We're on the precipice of our main event here. RVD goes and he tries to motivate Kane, give him a little bit of a stoner inspirational speech. Um, and right before he's about to go out, uh, Kane breaks a mirror. So I don't know. Maybe it's symbolic, Logan. I, I, everything's symbolic. There's tons of symbolism. <laughs> sure. So he breaks the mirror. Um, we then get like a random uh, WrestleMania rewind thing of Triple H pedigreeing Stephanie McMahon. Not really completely sure why that's relevant here, but um, anyway. All right, so if we're ready, this is going to be our main event. It will be Kane versus Triple H. The world championship is on the line. Kane's mask is on the line. So let's get into it. We get a pretty hot start. Kane lays into Triple H with his normal repertoire, the uh, the big uppercuts. I didn't think there was quite the buzz. They'll get there, I think, as the match goes on. But it wasn't quite the buzz uh, based on the hype and what's on the line here. I didn't find the crowd was at the beginning as hyped as you would think. Uh, I know if it's because they kind of rushed into this whole angle when it could have been built a lot longer. Maybe that was it, but um, just not like initially super, um, not a super hot crowd, but um, he throws Triple H to the steps, flares out there. He distracts and ends up, Kane ends up eating a uh, chair shot from Triple H, which allows um, uh, trips to settle in on Kane, uh, on trip, sorry. Settles in into Triple H mode. He hits a spine buster, goes into the methodical beatdown mode. 
Kane fires back on him. Um, and every time Triple H gets him down, he keeps doing this sit-up. So I thought this kind of got the crowd into it. Like every time Kane's sitting up, the crowd's getting a little more behind him. He lands the top rope clothesline. Uh, Earl ends up getting bumped here. Uh, Flair runs in with the belt, but Kane gets it and levels Triple H. He pins, but the ref is out. A new ref comes in, um, but they gives Triple H enough time to recover, so it's only for a near fall. Um, Kane, uh, as JR says, um, he's so animalistic. He throws out the new ref, which was not a very smart decision because he's pissed off, um, which gives Triple H enough time to hit him with a low blow. He hits the pedigree, but uh, he uh, Kane kicks out of that one, which that was a really good near fall. The crowd really bit on that one. You're thinking, all right, Triple H is winning. He back drops out of the next pedigree, catapults Triple H in the flare. The crowd's really getting up for this one, uh, you know, getting hyped up. He gets the choke slam, but Orton runs in at this point to hit the RKO, sets up another pedigree, and Kane can't get up from that one. And so he loses and presumably will lose his mass. So uh, that's the match. So let's talk about the match first, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. I think maybe the match was a little too short considering how big this like it was maybe like i don't know nine minutes or something so it felt like they kind of had to rush into it i think maybe if they had a little bit more time to like uh like they did okay with like kane constantly fighting out of it but i think if you give this a little more time the crowd's really gonna think like man can he beat kane is kane like gonna be inhuman where you can't beat him um but i still think they did a good job for what the time they were given like I thought they did a good job, like, getting across Kane is, like, fighting for his life. Like, by the end, I did feel like with him getting up so much and him kicking out of the pedigree and the chair shot and having to fight off Flair. And then, you know, like, it took that much to beat him. So I thought the closing stretch I thought was pretty hot. Like, crowd was a little bit dead when they started, but I think the crowd was buying into it. So I ended up going three on it. I think overall it was probably better than I expected it to be. Yeah, I went three as well. Um, Triple H has the blue tights with the blue boots. I always hated when he matched the uh, colors. <laughs> I, I like him in the black boots with with whatever you know color tights. But he he does the purple on purple, and I always hated that outfit. At some point, can't remember which show it is, but it's during somewhere during this run. I think it might have already happened, but I, I I'm not a big fan of the. The, the, col- the color combination there. Um, but like you said, Kane is, uh, I feel like he's very aggressive throughout, but definitely early on showing how desperate he is to be the champ and to not lose his mask. Um, you know, Kane seemingly has the match won at certain points, but the, the that ref, uh, the second ref was too, too late and he obviously fucks him up. Uh, I thought the slingshot move into flair was uh, pretty brutal. I thought that was a pretty awesome spot. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Kane was aggressive throughout. You you kind of bought as it went on that he he might win. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it was it was kind of short for what you would think a big match like this with a lot of stipulations on it would be. Like you said, it was either eight or nine minutes. It wasn't super long or anything like that. But um, I definitely think it could have gotten higher a higher score if it it lasted a little bit longer and built a little bit more. But um, yeah, big 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 loss for Kane, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, effort yeah it does feel like the hot shot a little bit like i could easily see this like being a big pay-per-view match like stretch us out over a month and really hype up king could lose the mask and like we said maybe make the match a little more epic like give it a little more time on pay-per-view but i guess it's just you know the mode they're in right now is you know you know kind of rushing things but (laughs) 
anyway, so let's see if they actually, because here's another other thing. This is, you know, wrestling. So we're wondering, are they even going to follow through or is this going to be like kind of a bait and switch? So um, Eric immediately comes out. Um, I laugh because he's like in a, he's not in his normal. T- he's like a bowling shirt on. It looks yeah. kind of odd. <laughs> it looks like Charlie Jean on Duna. <laughs> he did, yes. Um, but he immediately demands that the mask come off, which makes sense because he's the one who pushed for the stipulation. Um, but before he can, Kane could take the mask off, um, Evolution jump him again, which was odd. Um, RVD yeah. comes to try and help, which I'm thinking, like, you know, maybe come out during the match, Rob, as you see, like, they're all, like, interfering. The ref's out, like, maybe come help him then. Maybe he's smoking a, smoking a J, I don't know, but... <laughs> So the ring finally clears. Uh, RVD and Kane fight off Evolution. Uh, Kane is trepidatious. He keeps going back and forth, um, stalls for a little bit, and finally takes off the mask. He's facing away from the camera at first. Um, we find out that what we assumed was his hair is actually fake, is a wig, and instead he is like a weird mop, uh, like mop do thing like i don't know why this would be his hair either you would think all his hair would be burned off or something but instead he has like a weird curly i don't know i don't know it's <laughs> shaggy so, it's so bad <laughs> he has black makeup around his eyes you know i guess because he's burned and uh he looks very similar to isaac yankum uh for some reason <laughs> The crowd is the crowd is like stunned. The crowd gives like no reaction. They're just like staring at it. I guess at how strange he looks, but he's pissed. He snaps. He choke slams RVD, and we kind of end on this dark moment of him kind of like cowering, like um, sulking as he has his, um, you know, as he's been unmasked. So um, obviously a big moment, a huge turning point for the Kane character here, but. Uh, I definitely remember that time being like wondering what the hell was this look like? Why did he have hair? Why? Like, <laughs> so he was burnt however many years ago, but he still has like ash on him. Like it's, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was odd. Yeah. Just, uh, it, he looked like he like rubbed charcoal on his face in the, in the <laughs> right. back before he came out. Um, but the fucked up thing, the most fucked up thing is his eyes. Like, you know, he has the different mm-hmm. colored contacts on or whatever. But, I mean, you can see that through the mask at, at, at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I was a lot younger at this point. I was, I was 10, maybe. Not not quite 10. I was about to turn 10 in August of, of this year. Um, but, you know, th- this, this, uh, this, uh, this evolution of Kane. Uh, was terrifying to me as a as a ten year old. He he scared the shit out of me. So, um, the, the, from this point on, he was like, I I I did not even want to see him on the screen because I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is terrifying. Um, obviously looking back, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but very yeah, evil he, clown with the curly yeah, hair on top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looked like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that '70s show, but. Uh, they reveal that Bob uh, Donna's dad is <laughs> yeah. bald at bald at one point, and uh, his hair kind of looks like what Bob's hair looks like when he takes the toupee off. So um, I don't know why they decided to to give him hair. It's yeah. like yeah, like that's where they're gonna go anyway. And then you could say like oh, where his hair was burned off, that's why he had to wear a wig. But they don't have like some hair. It's just yeah, it's, like, it's weird. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they had taken the mask off in previous points and the hair was real. So I think it was just, 
I think it was maybe just this closest run. But yeah, weird that he had hair at all. But yeah, he, he wrecks uh, RVD and kind of just sulks at the end. So uh, big, big moment. But uh, we'll see where Kane goes from here. Right. So, but uh, you know, to their credit, they paid it off. Like they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't bait and switch us. They promised us dip and Kane's in a mask. And we'll see where it goes from here. But um, kind of wraps up the show. So I ended up going. <laughs> You know, most of it was just like a standard Raw, but I ended up going. We had a few good matches. I thought the tag earlier in the show, um, that opening tag was pretty good. The mixed stuff was all right, um, and the show moved pretty well, and they hyped the main event well. And they, to me, it was all based on the main event. I think it delivered overall. It wasn't like this all-time match or something, but I think it delivered about as well as you expect. So I kind of gave it a little bump for that and gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, six out of ten is what I gave it as well. We had that good uh, Storm and Jericho versus Dudley's match earlier in the show, and then we had um, we had this main event that I, I think the moment is is important. You know, it may not be super I mean, the most most memorable thing, but it, you definitely remember it from this time period for sure. It's a big thing. Uh, he'll he'll pretty much go without a mask for the good majority of the rest of his career. So. Um, a, a big moment for Kane for sure. Um, but yeah, the match was pretty good up into that point with a lot of interference and, you know, it seemed like he might could win and he was constantly fighting it off, but it eventually just became too much in the end. So, um, not a bad raw, but you know, obviously it still had its, uh, problems that it will consistently have through probably this period and has had, uh, for the last few months, but hopefully we'll, uh, get, get on a better, uh, train with that one. <laughs> yeah. At least something happened. I'll give it that. Exactly. So. All right. Let's move to SmackDown. Like we said earlier, it will also be for Madison square garden. So let's see if they can capitalize. Uh, so we have, uh, this will be the June 26, uh, 2003 episode of SmackDown. We get a, re- a long recap of all the torture that Zach Gowan's been going through by Vince, um, including Sable um, fake seducing him, which the ridiculous saxophone music during this, her calling him, uh, you're just an amputee. And they even did the like echo thing where it's like, you're just an amputee. You're just an amputee. Like, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, but our big match tonight that was kind of set up last week is going to be the six-man where we're going to have Mr. America, Kurt Angle, and Brock Lesnar versus uh, the former team Angle and um, the, big forgetting. the Big Show. Sorry. All right, so that's going to be our big main event for tonight, which is a pretty star-studded main event, so we'll see how it goes. But let's see what else we have in store here. Uh, so we're going to open this with uh, John Cena. Uh, he comes in. Uh, Josh Matthews is ring announcing, I should say, which is a bit different. So, so weird. Yeah, he's pretty bad. I don't think he's a very good announcer. He doesn't have a very good announcer voice to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel, Logan, but. Yeah, those are my uh, thoughts exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of sounds like a dude. Um, definitely downgrade. Uh, but anyway, Cena comes out, says he's bigger than Madison Square Garden. He's going to main event WrestleMania 20. He's calling his shots. Um, calling navigation because he's never lost. Um, and he recalls the open challenge that was about a year ago on his debut and says in response, he's going to make his own challenge to any rookie that wants to face him. So I kind of like this. I like Cena. Um, is a good way to like show that he's been around for a year and shows you what his progression has been and how far he's come just in his first year. Uh, and so the person that comes out to challenge him is, um, rookie Orlando Jordan, who Cena calls a Billy Blanks wannabe, which is a great pull. 
Uh, I believe that was the tie bow, man, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe anybody, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he rips New York, and then we get into the to the match. So Jordan is 100% in, like, uh, hyped-up rookie mode. He honestly reminds me of Orton when Orton debuted yeah. as this, mm-hmm. like, pure baby face, like, jumps all over Cena, maybe a little bit too excited to where he's a little bit sloppy. Um, is all over him jumping. The crowd's kind of into it. Uh, Cena goes to the FU. Uh, he does a pretty impressive, um, is able to land on his feet. So that was a nice little uh, athletic display. Um, and of course, he goes for like the number one move of any like babyface rookie, which is the crossbody. Again, exactly what Randy Orton hit. He goes for it, but uh, Cena does the good old rolling over onto it as uh, Jordan hits the crossbody and rolls onto him and steals the victory that way. And then gives an F you just for, uh, you know, just to be an asshole after until Taker comes out to make the save and then gives Orlando Jordan uh, the props, the respect from, uh, you know, the dog. But, <laughs> you know, it's a fine way to introduce Orlando Jordan. I guess he was OK. He just kind of seemed like a generic rookie, honestly. But uh, the bigger thing is, like, I thought it was cool to see Cena, you know, talking about his first year and everything. And I thought that was cool. And him calling a spot for WrestleMania. So uh, the match star and a half, you know? Yeah. Star and a half is what I win as well. Yes. Cena says he's bigger than MSG. Says he'll main event mania next year. Uh, I didn't think his rap uh, or whatever you want to call it. I don't even really feel like it was a rap. He just kind of rambled, but it, it wasn't one of his better ones. Uh, I don't think he had some very good lines throughout there, but it was very impressive to think that he's been around for a year that he answered an open challenge and that he issued one of his own. Um, like you said, he insults uh, Jordan, uh, Orlando Jordan, as well as the New York crowd talks about how great Boston is and stuff like that. So made Matsuza proud for sure. Um, but uh, real, the match was real chaotic, uh, real quickly paced. Like you said, Jordan kind of had that, uh, spunk, spunky rookie uh, energy where he was just all over the place, just going 90 to nothing. Um, I, I won't say it was all super clean or anything like that, but uh, uh, it had some nice energy for sure. Um, and like you said, Cena kind of whoops his ass afterwards and Taker comes to make the save, uh, possibly maybe hinting that, that that's where those two will be going forward. Um, but like you said, Taker gives Jordan the good old pat on the back to kind of uh, reiterate kind of what he did to Cena the year prior. So uh, a lot of good callbacks throughout this one, but yes, yeah, start a half on the match. Right. We'll go into a similar historic career as John Cena. Who mm. did a year ago. This, this will not be the last time they face each other. Mm. All right. So takers already out there because he's in the next match, which was uh, kind of set up last week. The returning APA with their old ministry, uh, ministry uh, leader undertaker mm-hmm. and they'll be facing the FBI kind of an absurd match because like I, again taker's been fighting the fbi for however many weeks now and they've pretty much Since shown that take much <laughs> right and they've shown that taker can kind of beat these guys on his own so does he really even need bradshaw and farouk <laughs> i call him farouk but they call him ron simmons throughout this whole match so uh i don't know That's if they're true. just making this switch here but uh you know, Taker starts it off. He gets his normal spots, the fine clothesline. He's moving well, as he has been in this era. He's old school. Um, the FBI get a slight advantage using some teamwork, but Farouk, or as I said, Ron Simmons, gets in uh, and fights him for a bit. He gets isolated. FBI's offense is really nothing too fantastic. It's a lot of, like, kicking and you know, basic punches and stomps. And I think somebody, Stamboli or whatever, gets like a... Um, 
almost like a sign recliner looking deal, but nothing too great. Um, Bradshaw gets in. He has some nice fire. I was very high on him um, when I first started the pod before he got hurt. They were kind of like setting him up to maybe be a big deal, but then he kind of got derailed. But I always like his energy here. He kind of has that, um, you know, a little bit of a Stan Hansen chaos to him, like crazy Texan things. So I always kind of like that. But uh, things break down in a pretty fun and chaotic way. Choke slam, and then uh, Taker hits the choke slam, and Bradshaw wins with the uh, clothesline from hell. So two stars, totally fine. Get to see the APA, but, you know, not really suspenseful. You're pretty. Pretty confident that the FBI are not going to take this match. Yeah, th- this wasn't too bad. I, I gave it two. Um, I-, I thought I thought uh, Taker and Bradshaw's offense was particularly brutal, and uh, everything they laid in pretty good. Um, they don't give very much uh, either of those two. Uh, Farouk is the uh, giving one in this match. Um, I-, I think uh, he he's really the only one that takes much offense. The Taker takes a couple punches here and there, but um, he pretty much squashes them in the early parts of it. Um, Farouk hits an absolutely awesome spine buster when he first comes in, but then uh, all the all the FBI work uh, FBI team members eventually work him over for a little bit, and then like you said, Bradshaw comes in, dominates, uh, and then things kind of break down. Uh, I thought the choke slam that Taker hit on Chuck was pretty gross. He kind of landed on his neck. Uh, I thought it was uh, the landing was particularly brutal, and then Bradshaw, of course, hits the uh, clothesline from hell, like you said, for the win. Um, but yeah, not not a bad little match, but I, I like some of the good power spots that they had in there. Right. So hopefully now we are done with the FBI and Taker. We'll see. Can only hope. All right, Ultimo Dragon debuts tonight in New York. So we'll see him <laughs> later. Um, speaking of New York, we head outside on the streets where we have Noble and Nydia, and they're <laughs> they're approached by um, this is amazing. The name um, Attorney Robert Codlin. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, I love to like. How did he find them on the street? Like, I know. This, like, how did this come about? Like, how did he know where they were? Like, what attorney like finds you just like wandering the street? Um. um um, Logan, do you know what uh, Noble said to this lawyer? Did, what does he think that the lawyer is coming for? Um, uh, something about uh, a fence in Alabama. I can't remember what exactly he said. Yeah, girl with monkeypox. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about that girl with the monkeypox. Um, uh, Mr. C- Harry Todd, I just want to say his name as much as I can. Mr. Codlin says, uh, no, uh, Noble's Aunt Lucille died and left him $820,000. Um, Noble is over the moon at this. He says, baby, we rich. Um, he then tells uh, Nydia to give, uh, give Mr. Codlin a spe- that special kiss. And, of course, she goes to blow him. And he says, no, not that kind of special kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's excited. And uh, he then tells Nydia, we go on to Applebee's. Uh, <laughs> yes, we go on to Applebee's on the date night. Mm-hmm. So, very happy for them when they're $820,000. Yeah, they, they make out and talk about how they're going to go to Applebee's. Just absolutely absurd. This is uh, Jamie Noble at his best. So, um, ne- never going to be never going to be sad when they have one of these segments uh, with them. Uh, and they're rich uh, with their eight hundred twenty thousand dollars. So they're going to have a big time. Not that that's a small amount of money, but it's just funny that like they get like super excited that they're like millionaires. Robert Codlin is like a forgotten wrestling attorney. We should bring him back. He was ridiculous. He had like this weird, like, uh, 
I don't know, like straight hairdo, like kind of medium length hairdo. <laughs> Robert, I don't know why that name is so gets me so much. Hi, I'm attorney Robert Codlin. He was so <laughs> stiff in his delivery. Dude. He was just like, I, I'm this, I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm an attorney and I'm here to tell you about your aunt Lucille. So right. I can only imagine it's going to lead to some incredible segments in the future. So I'm excited. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's go back to some not-so-great um, segments. Uh, Sable wants to apologize to Vince for uh, Stephanie finding them in a compromising position last week, but she finds him very attractive. She starts fondling him and his chest and how muscular he is, and she says she wants him to pull her hair, but he says, not tonight. He has something important to do. So, um, you know, Vince just booking himself as a sex symbol, <laughs> no big deal. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, just just him him be fondled by the uh, very attractive blonde on the roster, like always. So very Vince. All right, so we head to our next match. It's going to be Matt Hardy versus Rikishi. Our Matt fact is that Matt has better abs than Rikishi, <laughs> uh, and apparently this is our uh, U.S. title tourney match, which they haven't. We don't really have a bracket for this or know who the hell is going to be involved. It mm-hmm. certainly seems like they're just making this shit up as they go. And then we find out that Matt is officially out of the cruiserweight division. He's bulked up. Uh, he's moved on. So Matt as a cruiserweight is officially done. Sad, sad day. All right. All right. Rikishi <laughs> pushes him down. Matt manages a bow and arrow style uh, submission. Keish comes back with the belly to belly. Um, highlight of the match was this, uh, he hits the Rikishi driver. It actually looks sick. Um, that's a great move. Kind of forgotten move. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Matt somehow kicks out of that, which I kind of almost thought he should have lost with that. Um, he hits a twist of fate. Rikishi, uh, Rikishi kicks out of that. So we got like some finisher spamming going on in this random match here. Uh, mm-hmm. Rikishi uh, goes to back it up in the corner. Matt is able to uh, avoid that and then hits another twist of fate and gets the win here. But uh, yeah, I like, I feel like there was a couple cool spots. Like, of course, like I said, the Kishi mm-hmm. driver is cool. Um, but not, I don't know. I didn't feel like this match flowed very well. And I kind of like both these guys in ring, but it didn't really come together. I don't know if they were just in a rush or what, but I just feel it was a little disjointed. So I want to start on half. Yeah. I, 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 my note just says this is a really weird match. Uh, it kind of seemed at the beginning like we were headed for a squash, like Rikishi was just going to kill Hardy and, and, and win. Uh, you know, he hits the Rikishi driver, like you said. I, I assumed that that was probably going to be the finish and that was it. Um, you know, but. You know, it, it seemed like Hardy just kept hanging with him. It seemed like he kept being in compromising positions, but he kind of used his looseness and it's maybe a little bit of speed that he picked up in the cruiserweight division uh, to kind of get the advantage and pull out the win because he moves out of the way of the you know the running charge and uh, Rikishi hits that uh, exposed top turnbuckle um, and gets hit with the twist of fate. So, um, but uh, Matt was also on the cover of SmackDown Magazine at this point. I don't know if you mentioned that, but he no. has better abs than Rikishi, but he also was in the SmackDown Magazine uh, special special front page for him. So, um, But, yeah, weird match. Um, I didn't even really know how to rate it either because it was real weird, but I'd probably just go like one and a half. It was, it was very strange for sure. Yeah, kind of like you said earlier, like maybe them trying to do some stuff because they're trying to show out for this, you know, Madison Square Garden match, but it just never can. And it's weird. Like, I feel like Matt Hardy's a guy who, like, is really good at putting together. Like, I feel like most of these SmackDown matches, he puts together, like, a pretty well-structured match. But I just felt like this one didn't really, like, flow very well. 
Yeah, I think a lot of his cruiser stuff we we, we kind of enjoyed, mm-hmm. or you you and others have have enjoyed throughout the months that he was the champion and kind of in that division. But yeah, something about this was just weird. Like they they went a little too hard at first, and then it just kind of kept going. Mm-hmm. So it was like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, just not just weird for sure. All right, so we head to <laughs> Billy Kidman is ringside here. And so he's got two women with him. So they're trying to, he's been injured, I guess. And this is like him getting ready for his return. And they're like presenting him as he's like some playboy or something. Um, he is super awkward on the mic as always, like trying to get over like how much he's like wanting to return. But he's just so, he sounds so unnatural and forced here. Like uh, he's like, weird. you know, mm-hmm. I've just been thinking about wanting to get back into the ring. Like it's, it's bad. Like he just can't. Like, he's not good at, like, fake emoting. He just comes off as, like, a weird robot or something. But, yeah, he just gives a generic, like, you know, I'm just waiting to get back in that ring, get the title back. But not very impressive. Uh, imagine this guy is the guy that's banging Tori Wilson, and they have to put right. him with other girls to show that he's some kind of playboy. Um, but, yeah, he's very wooden in his response. Like, oh, well, uh, you know, Ultimo Dragon's debuting tonight. Uh, maybe... Maybe I should be in the Cruiserweight Championship match instead of him. Maybe I should come back tonight. It's just so weird. So, hey, he's like trying to act so cool, and he yeah. just comes off like a dork. And he's not. He's not cool at all. But <laughs> um, yeah, just very wooden and weird. And, and Matthews isn't a very good interviewer at this point either. So um, definitely strange. All right. All right. We'll head to our, uh, I guess, technically a tag title match here as we have Eddie Tajiri, our champion. So we've kind of not been up to too, too much lately. They have this little mini feud with Piper and O'Hare, and that's who they're going to face here. So Piper actually getting in the ring, I guess, playing the uh, Sergeant Slaughter role here on SmackDown. Um, so this is real quick. Eddie and Tajiri make pretty quick work of them. Like O'Hare obviously carries most of the load in ring. He's decent. He's got his kicks going, but, uh, Piper comes in a couple times, lands a few punches, but uh, the champs do a lot of quick tags, have much better offense, and then Eddie kind of takes it with the frog splash. So almost like a glorified squash, not too much gone here. And we'll we'll discuss. Uh, I'll get your rating on this, Logan, and we can discuss um, what's going on with Piper here. But I ended up going too. That's probably just my Tajiri and Eddie. I might be overrating it, honestly, because I love Eddie and Tajiri, but just kind of not much of a match. Yeah, I did like one and a half. Like you said, it's not much of a match. Uh, I would not have predicted O'Hare kind of getting dominated early, but Guerrero and Tajiri kind of take it to him to, to start the match. Uh, Piper obviously cheats when Tajiri's doing the tarantula, so that's how they kind of get get over on him for a little bit. Um, we finally get the matchup. I feel like we've kind of wanted to see ever since this kind of started. Eddie got his hands on Piper. They started fighting for a little bit. Uh, O'Hare hits a pretty sick super kick at one point. I thought that was a pretty nasty shot. Um, but I like the uh, finish of the mist into the frog splash. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty pretty good little way to end it. But yeah, this didn't get a ton of time, but I thought it was fine, but just nothing nothing inspiring. Yep, and they don't make a big deal about Piper getting in the ring either. I thought they would have at least yeah. try to make it seem like it was a big deal. But mm-hmm. Here's Piper, <laughs> pasty body. But um, So we should mention that this would be kind of the end of Piper's run here. And so I had mentioned that in the news notes. So at this time, I know Vince had recently been on, I think it was Real Sports on HBO, and they do like one of these segments on the the wrestler desk, like how all these wrestlers are dying so young, and they interview Vince. So the two main interview 
interviewees in the segment are Piper and Vince. And so Vince is like totally unhinged. If you ever seen it, go look it up. But it's like um, they're asking about his wrestler deaths and if he feels responsible. And he gets like really mad at the reporter guy and starts making weird faces and like tries to knock the papers out of his hands um, and gets pissed that the guy would ask him if he felt responsible at all for these individuals dying or whatever. And he says, no, I don't. He talks about how he was doing coke in the 80s like all the other guys. It's it's something to see. But um, Piper's on there, and he kind of like – he talks about the 80s and how he's on all these drugs and how horrible it is in your body and the workload and all. So I would not be shocked of what Piper said in that interview. Probably ended up <laughs> – getting them um, in some hot water with the company. Cause basically the way it's presented in the interview is like, they're at odds. Like Piper is representing, you know, the wrestlers that are being exploited and Vince is portrayed as like the uncaring owner. And so I'm guessing they didn't like <laughs> Piper being basically the, you know, anti WWE in it. So it wouldn't shock me if that was maybe the cause of the falling out. Yeah, I remember this being a big deal at the time, that interview with Piper and all, all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I won't say I'm terribly sad to see him leave because I think he's kind of cooked at this point. Um, you know, he most of his promos nowadays are just rambling and don't make much sense. And they're kind of like veiled, have some veiled racism within him as well. So, um, but yeah, uh, not, not, real, uh, not real sad to see Piper go, but you kind of hate it for O'Hare because I think he definitely has potential, but um, I think this kind of derails him as well. So uh, I, I don't know whether we'll never see him again, but I think his uh, run is pretty neutered at this point because uh, I think this was really what they were trying to go with. And it just kind of, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle, I think, at this point. Right, because they've kind of tied him with Piper, and if Piper's gone, they probably don't know what the hell to do with him anymore. And they seem like they were too high on to begin with. So, yeah, pretty failed to run here for poor Sean O'Hare. But I think he makes yeah. a few more appearances, but he's mostly a velocity guy kind of going forward, I think. But anyway, check out that. If you want to see some unhinged events, go look up that interview on YouTube. It's pretty it's pretty wild. Pretty wild. Him, knock, <laughs> him knocking the papers out of the guy's hands is pretty <laughs> insane. Um, speaking of Vince, here he is. He's coming out to uh, comes out to the ring because he wants to apologize to his daughter Stephanie. Um, I like that. Um, he comes out to the ring to give this apology, and the crowd keeps interrupting him. And he's like, "Can you stop interrupting me? I'm here to have a conversation with my daughter." And it's like, "Well, why'd you come to the ring to do it <laughs> if you don't want people interrupting? It's so absurd." Um, he, uh, he says he didn't realize like how wrong it was. He was using her, you know, when she was 17 <laughs> years old, whoring her out to close business deals. And he says, what is it? Um, some may think I'm immoral or even amoral. <laughs> um, he'll never forgive himself. Um, he, he brings Stephanie out here. Uh, Vince says he wants to see Zach Gallen, uh, who comes out. And I have to think, I was thinking this in the middle of that, like, this must be a wild moment for Zach Gallon. Like, yeah. you know, a month ago, he was like, you know, doing whatever an OVW or whatever he was doing. And now he's like at MSG with Vince McMahon in the ring. It must be like a surreal moment for this kid, like, yeah. to be put in this spot. But um, Vince says he wants to apologize to him, but Zach will not accept his apology. He calls Vince a son of a bitch and says he's not intimidated. He's been through much worse than Vince McMahon. Vince is seething at this point. He says he um, uh, 
Zach says he wants a contract. Vince says he can earn it. Oh, if he wants a contract, he can earn it by joining a special club, the Kiss My Ass Club. Uh, Vince then drops trowel. Uh, I love too the way they have to shoot this because I think they can get away with less of showing his ass on UPN than they probably could on, you know, on cable. So, so like, so like they have to like he has to put his uh, ass away from the hard cam. So basically, he's just like mooning the crowd that's across. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> with his, uh, he starts jiggling his little pancake ass around. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, well, he's like, come on, Zach, don't leave me waiting. I got my ass out in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> um, Steph didn't whisper something to Zach. It looks like he's going down to uh, um, do this terrible task. But then he actually low blows Vince, which the way Vince falls to the ground is so ridiculous. He like crumples up and like holds his crotch. Like it's so cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Gowan throws the cane at him. Uh, I was surprised they didn't get a big pop though. Like when he gets a low blow, I thought the crowd would have exploded, but they, they really didn't. I guess they don't care about him. But uh, you know, I have to say, like he was obviously a little bit awkward. Like he got fired up with this. Like I'm not intimidated by you, Vince. You son of a bitch. But I think all things considered, I thought he held his own okay. It could have been much worse than he was. Like again, he wasn't like <laughs> he wasn't Ric Flair or anything. But he also wasn't terrible. I think given probably how much pressure he felt. No, I thought he, considering how green he is and how young into his career he is, I thought he caught, I thought the promo he cut was a hell of a promo kind of advanced. So I think he definitely hung with him. But yeah, Vince is at his scumbag worst uh, towards the end of this. He seems to be uh, apologizing a lot at the beginning, but obviously he has cruel intentions there at the end. But um, yeah, I thought Gowan did really good, all things considered. I think he really held his own for sure. Yeah, it was it was okay. Like, if anything, if we're getting Vince, I like Vince that is more absurd. Like, it's oh, like yeah. I got my ass out in Madison Square Garden. Come on, Zach. <laughs> right. um, so Vince ends up uh, on the ground here, but we'll see if um, he gets the last lap before the night's over. Uh-huh. And then we head. <laughs> so we go from Vince's ass to Ultimo Dragon here as a. Uh, the, uh, it's been pretty hyped, I would say. It's getting a moderate amount of hype. The debu- debut of Ultimo Dragon, and he's going to be facing our old pal Shannon Moore, former MF or Shannon Moore. Ray Mysterio's on commentary, obviously has some history with uh, Ultimo from WCW. Um, I thought the little entrance with the flames was pretty cool for uh, yeah. Ultimo. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get a huge reaction uh, from the crowd. I've always liked the way he moves in ring. I've always been an Ultimo fan, but... Uh, this is like a weird thing because it's like they kind of in this match are trying to show him off, but I feel like Shannon Moore probably gets a little bit too much offense and it's a little bit too back and forth and never really gets into much of a flow. I would kind of like to see him come. Like there's spurts of it where he's hitting like the dragons in the sweeps and he's kind of hitting these reversals and stuff. Um, the Asai Moon, Asai Moon Sano, I should say, is beautiful. Um, that was the highlight when he did that to the outside. But just like there were weird spots here where they slow down and like Shannon Moore's doing a headlock. I didn't think any of that was needed. Again, another cool spot that like uh, hits that jawbreaker. The dragon has that like jawbreaker off the top rope. That was cool. So there's like some cool spots in here. And he, he beats Shannon Moore at the, it was basically not exactly, but I called it a Salida del Sol, essentially. Kind that's of what like I did a, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, so that's cool. So there's some cool spots in here. He looks good in spots, but... I just felt like it could have been a lot more straightforward. Like just have him come in there, look impressive, 
um, showcase all his cool maneuvers, but there were too many spots where they're kind of going back and forth and it got weird and it just didn't work super well. Like as far as like debuting him and trying to get him over, I don't think they really accomplished that. He just came off as like, like, I don't think they got the gravity over if that's what we're going for. He kind of just looked like a cruiserweight guy who could do a couple of cruiserweight moves. They didn't make it seem like, you know, he's ultimate drag, uh, like Ultimo dragon. He's a badass kind of thing. So I went two on it, but overall I was disappointed. Yeah, I went too as well. They're very disappointing. Uh, like you said, I, th- I think the entrance was really cool with the flames and the fire and stuff. Uh, they had Ray on commentary. He added almost nothing because he just doesn't know how to <laughs> right. speak on commentary. <laughs> um, this is the this is the point in the night where I I think we've talked about it a lot, but I, I feel like the pressure of performing in MSG kind of got to some of these guys. But I felt like this was uh, kind of a, a big big talking point for that. I think that this match kind of suffered from that. I feel like dragon really wanted to impress in his first match. And I th- think he did. I think he did some cool stuff. Um, but I, I, I it was, just, it was just clunky. I think the debut itself was good, but just, I felt like it was super clunky at points. Like I just, they were on the same page. It seemed like at some points. And like you said, it just, it, it was a little too back and forth. Um, I've never seen anybody hit a super jawbreaker, so I thought that was pretty cool by Dragon. Um, and then, like you said, he hits the Salido del Sol to win. I've never seen anybody but Kalisto do that, so cool to see uh, Dragon pull that out for the win. So um, not the worst match, but definitely not the best debut, and I, I think it could have been pulled off a little bit better. Right, and if I recall from a... I might be wrong, but I don't think we see a whole lot of Ultimo after this. Like, I don't think it goes much of anywhere. Unfortunately, they uh, they should have got uh, they should have got Noble off the street. I don't think Shannon Moore is the right opponent. I don't think he could quite hang with Ultimo going like full speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was part of it. I think Shannon was just like a little a little slower than uh, Dragon <laughs> needed him to be at points. So I think. Um, I think, yeah, I think it just, he probably could have used a little bit, maybe better or quicker of an opponent. So, um, definitely disappointing. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know who they really had. Like I said, Noble would have been probably perfect because he makes everyone look good. Cause you can't do Ray obviously. Cause then you're blowing that load. So like, I don't know if they really had a lot of guys on the roster that would, could have went in and made Ultima look good. Unfortunately, they should have brought a, they should have brought Kidman out of the crowd. There you go, Kidman. The <laughs> I don't think bag. he's much faster. So. <laughs> See him, Kidman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, but that quickly, we're, uh, we're at our big main event, the big six man here. I thought, um, so like I said earlier, it's going to be Angle, Lesnar, and Mr. America, a.k.a. Hogan, versus Charlie Haas, Shelton Benjamin, and the big show um, after the fracas from last week. Uh, I thought this had like a cool kind of house show. <laughs> <laughs> A cool kind of house show main event energy to it. Like, like just kind of yeah. throw all these stars in there. Like, maybe not something we'd see on TV, but uh, this is kind of what they were selling as the draw for SmackDown and MSG. Because obviously the rest of the show has not had a whole lot going on. Um, so this is kind of what they're banking on. And the crowd is pretty into this. Like, with the star power, the crowd's super in the angle. Um, which he starts the match off. He gets some mat work in with his old uh, mentees here, which is nice and snug between them. Um, I like how it's like Kirk kind of, he has them individually and he kind of gets the upper hand, but they use their teamwork to get the advantage. Like they hit him with the double drop kick and to kind of show they can hang. So I thought that was good. And it's like a thread throughout this match, uh, uh, like team angle. 
I guess I'll still call them Team Angle. They're soon to not be Team Angle. They're still working out what they're going to be called. But, um, like, throughout this match, they kind of constantly get the advantage for the heels by using their um, their double-team stuff, which I thought was cool. Uh, Hogan gets there. He gets to throw a few punches, pops the crowd a little bit. But he, I didn't think he over – they used Hogan well throughout this match. Like, he doesn't stay in there too long. He just gets in there for quick spurts. Brock gets in there. Uh, he takes over. Haas and Benjamin hit the leapfrog on him, like I said earlier. Like, they double-team him, and then they get show in there, which I like that. I like that whole sequence, like the strategy of them getting Brock weak, and, and they've been waiting to unleash show. Like, show doesn't get into the match until about midway. Um, Brock gets a hot tag to Kurt, though. He's a wrecking ball with the Germans, but they double-team him again. Kurt fights out, uh, gets Hogan in there. We get a Hogan versus show showdown, which was pretty cool. Got a good reaction from the crowd. Um, we get a stereo angle slam and F5 on Team Angle. That got a big pop from the crowd. But Show uh, messes that up, goes for a choke slam, and actually gets a choke slam on Angle and Brock at the same time. Uh, Mr. America gets in there, cleans house again, but gets distracted as Vince comes out, kicking the piss out of that Gowan, um, pissed off about what happened earlier. So that distracts Mr. America because obviously that's his BFF. Uh, Big Show grabs Hogan for the choke slam. And choke slams him and steals the win there. So the heels stand tall. Steph has to come out to save Zach Gowan. And Vince sets up uh, a handicap match for next week. She, he says that if Steph wants to be, you know, if she loves Zach Gowan so much, they can be in a handicap match against the Big Show. Big Show um, gives a big old nasty <laughs> spitting all over Big Show smile. And uh, the heels stand tall as we end the show. So, um you know, a pretty hot finish, I thought, to kind of a, a little bit of a blah show. Um, this is obviously what they were banking on. I thought it delivered and what they wanted. Like, I liked all the different matchups throughout it. I thought Team Angle were really awesome in this, like using their double team stuff. Uh, they used Hogan well. The crowd was into it. Uh, so I thought it all hit pretty good. And I kind of liked the heel standing tall at the end to kind of, um, you know, maybe hooking you in for next week to where they're going to go with this. So I ended up going three and a quarter. I thought this was... Just like a good, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for a good like star powered six man tag main event. So this kind of hit that spot for me. Yeah, I went th- I went three and a half. I, I thought it was a really well done tag team match as well. Um, All time face team here with Angle, Brock, and Hogan, obviously, uh, Mister America. Sorry, um, but uh, Lesnar just absolutely wrecks Haas and Benjamin in the early stages. Uh, really, really, all three of them do. They they really tee off on Haas and Benjamin for the, fir- the first like little bit of this match for sure. Um, you know, Benjamin obviously cheats eventually when the ref is distracted to kind of get them the advantage that finally gets the big show in. Cause it, they had, like you said, they played it off a while where big show hadn't ever got in the ring. Um, angle hadn't been in a ton either, uh, at that point in the match either when he gets, uh, tagged in and he, uh, he wrecked shot pretty good when he gets in for the first real lengthy p- period of time. And he's, he hits a couple of really gross Germans on Haas and Benjamin kind of drops them on their heads uh, a little bit. Um, but I, I think Hogan just doesn't know how to go up for a choke slam because he, <laughs> he like either jumped too early and show had to like lift him with his knee and then kind of, kind of drive him to the mat. It was really weird. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hogan just doesn't know how to take a choke slam. Cause mm-hmm. if, if you remember correctly, uh, he faces, uh, he faced, uh, 
Undertaker the previous year, uh, and that is one of the worst choke slams ever that he takes in that Judgment Day match for the title. So yeah, that, that two inch vertical is not doing yeah. it for a choke slam. Yeah, so Big Show had to help him out a little bit with his leg on this one. So uh, very weird, but super chaotic finish. I thought the match overall was super fun, and it kind of made up for the fact that the rest of the show was kind of a dud for the most part. But um, and then Vince obviously scumbag at the end makes the handicap match that. Uh, you know, if Gowan wins, he gets the contract, but uh, probably not likely considering the matchup. Right. So, um, yeah, pretty solid main event to close it out. So uh, that kind of wraps up SmackDown. I, I was a little surprised because we're going into this first SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view and two weeks in. I feel like they haven't really like, like, I guess you know who's going to be involved, but they haven't really set a whole lot up yet. Like if I were to predict what the, um, I guess it's vengeance we're going into. Yes. Like what the ca- card's going to be, I couldn't tell you much at this point. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, they didn't. They haven't even really put together like a title feud either. So I mean, you don't even know. I mean, obviously, it seems like Angle and maybe Big Show are going to be involved, but you don't you don't know anything because they haven't announced it. So um, you would think you would think it's probably some of those guys, but yeah, not much. Not much has been announced so far, other than the I think the finals of the U.S. title tournament are there, but other than that, not much. Right, so uh, I ended up going, you know, it seems like they're heating stuff up even if we don't know exactly what. Um, I ended up going 5 out of 10. A lot of it's on that main event because, like you said, I think it did save the show a bit. But uh, they definitely didn't swing for the fences uh, given it was MSG. Like, I didn't think they – it just kind of felt like a pretty normal average SmackDown here. They didn't go for any – like, at least Raw went for the big main event. This kind of just felt like – I don't know. They were just in MSG because Raw was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely didn't seem like that they stacked the call. I mean, they, I feel like they kind of loaded both main events. And maybe they did it on purpose, but I feel like you would have made some other stuff throughout the card, you know, seem a little better. But it just it, it, it seemed weird all night. So, yeah, five, five is probably a good score for it. Um, because it just seemed like they could have done better. And I think a couple of matches kind of disappointed. Um, but the main event definitely buoyed it uh, there at the end. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not the best SmackDown. All right. All right, let's get some quick awards. Best match, I think we're both going with that uh, tag main event, that six man. Yeah, absolutely. Best moment, I think I got it. I mean, got to go with the Kane unmasking. Easily the biggest moment on these. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's the most memorable thing that you can think of, and uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely hit uh, for sure. Best show, we get a raw win. I think for uh, once in a while. I think that's two in a row. Uh, I, or I voted for Raw last time, so that's two in a row for me at least. But uh, yeah, Raw's uh, not doing too bad lately. They're hitting with the moments at least. I won't say the matches are uh, super crisp or great or anything like that, but they're definitely getting those moments in there. Yeah, and they're benefiting from SmackDown being a little meandering right now. I'm not really knowing what they want to do. LVP, I think I'm going to go with poor Rodney Mack because he looked like a complete jobber. Like, real, <laughs> like you said, stock falling for Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises. Yeah, I, I'll just go with Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises as a whole. Nowinski looked like shit. Teddy Long <laughs> speaking stupidity, and then Rodney Mack gets cream. So, um, and I think they'll only continue to fall uh, as we go on. So, um, but yeah, Rod- Rodney, uh, pro- probably out of all of them, Rodney gets it. But yeah, I'll just go with the whole group. 
And uh, MVP, I, I think I'm going to go with Kane just because, you know, this is one of the pivotal moments of his career and he was kind of the backbone of what they were trying to do on Raw. So I'll give it maybe the first win for Kane in the history of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad one. I'm going to go with Kurt. I thought he re- really did well in that main event. I thought he really showed out. So I'll go with uh, Mr. Angle. Kurt, never bad choice for me. Yeah. Um, some standouts, I'll go with your boy Kurt as a standout. Um, probably everybody in that six-man. I thought Team Angle were great in that. Uh, they all did their, played their role well. Um, Jamie Noble for being ridiculous. Uh, Robert Codlin, great, <laughs> greatest attorney. Um, Thank you, Mr. Codlin. <laughs> Um, uh, I'll go with Zach Gowan. I thought he was pretty good in that segment. That's true. Goldberg was good on this one. I thought it was a good Goldberg moment. Well, pretty good Goldberg segment. Yeah. Uh, Jericho is always good in tag matches like that. He holds it together well. Um, uh, like you said, Sean, uh, Sean was pretty good despite the rest of the people around him not being very good in that tag match uh, with Nash and Orton and Flair. Sergeant Slaughter's clothes for not mm. splitting. Uh, yeah, apparently the chicken fried steak is pretty good in catering uh, at uh, WWE, so he's been smashing those pretty good. Um, Lance Storm for his uh, prepared comments. <laughs> I would like to read a prepared statement. <laughs> did well, did well. They, a lot of people did well on these. I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway. All right, well, that wraps us up for this uh, this week at MSG. Um, big... Big week with the cane unmasking, but uh, what do you have going on pod-wise, Logan? I do basically only podcast with you. <laughs> um, we, we both do Linking Up Luchas. Uh, we're, we've just covered episode 20 and 21 of, of that show, so um, we are a little bit past the halfway point, uh, you know, trugging along, uh, having a ton of fun with that, uh, talking about some great matches and some uh kind of superstars before they were on the on the big time of AEW and WWE current day. So uh, really enjoying going through that. And uh, Talking Docs is another uh, show here on North-South Connection where me, Jenny, and Roger talk about documentaries. Um, we're doing a nature animal type season right now. And we just talked about uh, one about one about a octopus and a guy and a diver that, uh, uh, you know, they they started to swim together and yeah, had kind of a kinship with each other and uh, started to learn learn from each other. So it was pretty cool, a uh, little thing that we did there. And then uh, Highway to the Impact Zones, our big one on the Placement Nation Wrestling feed. We are about to do the No Surrender 06 show. So check it, check all that stuff out. Perfect. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, we also do YouTube Roulette. Yeah. Um, great show. Where we watch random matches. We'll be uh, watching something ridiculous for December. We usually do something for a... Uh, a Christmas themed episode, even if it has nothing to do with Christmas. So check that out. <laughs> well, um, one had to do with a volcano, I'm pretty sure. So uh, not not very Christmassy. <laughs> right. Um, but check out everything we have here on the North South Connection. Uh, lots of cool video content going up that does not include me, but includes a lot of other people. Logan, you've been on it. Uh, um, I believe there was one going over uh, uh, various war games matches and the hype leading up to. Uh, survivor series so cool stuff like that a lot of it's pretty quick uh, like 10 minutes or so to watch so if you're into that go and check that out uh, but if you're into this i'll be back we'll be back in two weeks uh to follow this up and see uh how kane's gonna recover from this uh huge loss in his life and career so 
check us out then and uh in two weeks see ya when i see your face there's not a thing that i would change cause you're amazing just the way you are and when you Girl, you're a man